Dude, I'm glad you're here. Welcome. Thanks for coming. Uh, we had a great service at 8:45 this morning. First service, they uh, they got into it, man. They were they were shouting and and saying amen and clapping. But you, I think you can do better, can't you? Come on. Can't, yeah, I mean, you're here. We're we're ready. We're ready. We're ready. I'm I'm not going to preach very long. And then there's cookies. So come on. All right, man. You better believe it. Hey, got I got a good news for you. Not only good, great news. Jesus is out of the tomb. Amen? Jesus is risen. Hallelujah for that. My sermon is entitled, You Can't Keep a Good Man Down. Amen. <laughs> really, you can't. Uh, actually, this is the third time I preached it. The first time was yesterday out at the Old Fort Gun Club. Uh, we went out there and did some cowboy action shooting. And actually, I don't know if you know this, Kavanaugh has a satellite church at Old Fort Gun Club. Did you know that? I mean, really, a little bitty church, miniature version of our church, and uh, we shot that one yesterday, and, and I was reading the scenario of, of what we shoot, and while I was doing that, uh, Keenan and Don were passing out invite cards to all my cowboy friends, and then I preached this sermon to them. You can't keep a good man down. Yeah? They kind of got into it, maybe, you know, maybe just a little bit, but uh, the, the only bad comment I got was this old... Kind of mean cowboy afterwards said, "Well, what about a good woman? Can you can you keep a good woman down?" I said, no, "There ain't no way you can keep any woman down, right?" <laughs> I'll talk about that in a minute. Hey, you know what? Sometimes life knocks us down, doesn't it? I don't know if you've been there, but I, you know I've had things in my life where I've been knocked down and kicked a little bit, you know. And sometimes after this happens over and over and over again, sometimes we don't think we'll ever be able to get up. Sometimes we think that life has kicked us down to a point that we'll never recover. You been there? I read a couple of stories of people who were there. For example, this one guy, at age 22, he failed in business. At age 23, he ran for the legislature and was defeated. At age 24, he failed in business for the second time. At the age of 25, he was elected to the legislature. I don't know if that is a... Plus or a negative, really, though, you know? You know what I'm saying? At age 26, his sweetheart that he was engaged to died. At age 27, he himself had a nervous breakdown. At age 28, he was defeated for speaker. At age 31, he was defeated for elector. At age 34, he was defeated for Congress. At age 37, he was elected to Congress. At age 39, he was defeated again at Congress. At age 46, he was defeated for the Senate. At age 47, he was defeated for vice president. At age 49, he was defeated again for the Senate. But finally, at the age of 51, he was elected president of the United States of America. Wow, isn't that incredible? His name was Abraham Lincoln. And folks, let me tell you, you can't keep a good man down, all right? Let me tell you another story about a preacher. Uh, this preacher was 53 years old. He had spent most of his adult life writing a manuscript that he hoped would turn into a book. He took it to 14 different publishers and all 14 of them refused to publish it. He was so discouraged that he took the manuscript and threw it in a waste paper basket and said, My dream will never come true. His wife, whose name was Ruth, reached over and tried to pull the manuscript out and said, 
Oh, honey, let, let's just give it one more try. Let's send it to one more publisher. And in his disgust, he said, don't you touch that manuscript. Don't you take it out of the waste paper basket. It will never be published. So his wife, Ruth, the next day, you can't keep a good woman down. She took the whole waste paper basket, put it in a bag, wraps it up, and sends it off to the publisher just like that. The publisher receiving it said, I've never received a package like this before. He opens it up, he took it out, he read it, and he loved it. He published it. It was the first book of Norman Vincent Peale, The Power of Positive Thinking. That book has sold over 15 million copies worldwide for 184 weeks. It was on the New York Times bestseller list. It has been translated into 15 different languages. I'm here to tell you, church, you can't keep a good woman or a good man down. Kind of reminds me of this story we're going to read today in the Word of God. So take your Bibles with me, and we're going to read from Acts chapter 2. I believe that this book is the inspired, infallible Word of God. I believe everything in this book. It teaches us about life and living, about death and about eternity. Some of the stories in this book are a little far out. Some people would say they are even unbelievable. But you know what? That's what faith is. Faith believes in even the unbelievable. And today we're going to read about a story that some people think is unbelievable, but by faith, I believe it. It's the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And in Acts chapter 2, right after the resurrection, Peter is preaching a sermon, kind of like I'm doing to you. And this is what he says in verse 22. Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves also know. Him being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands, have crucified, and have put to death, whom God raised up. Having loosed the pains of death because it was not possible that he should be held by it. Woo! Man, let me tell you, isn't that the truth? Death didn't have power over Jesus. Now, Peter points out a whole lot of things in his sermon. I'm going to take three of them and relate it to our message today. Point number one, the doubters... The doubters couldn't keep Jesus down. Did you notice that in verse 23? Peter said, you nailed him to a cross by the hands of godless men who put him to death. So church, I'm here to tell you, the doubters could not keep Jesus down. And he, listen, or you're going to get going here in a minute, but let me tell you. He was doubted his entire life in ministry. In fact, the Bible tells us that he came to his own and his own did not receive him. I mean, Jesus was doubted by his own family. He was doubted by his own brothers who until after the death and resurrection of Jesus doubted his divinity. 
Jesus was doubted by his own disciples who at times had tremendous questions. One disciple betrayed him. Another disciple denied him. When he went to his hometown to preach, they said, Is not this the son of Joseph? And he could not do many miracles because of their unbelief. And even at the crucifixion, his own disciples all fled and ran away. But I've got some good news for you today. Whether the world of skeptics in our age or whether the world of skeptics in the day of Jesus doubted him, my brothers and sisters, you can doubt, you can sit in your seat this morning and you can question the resurrection, you can question the validity of whether or not Jesus Christ really is the Son of God, But I've got some news for you this morning. Whether you question it or not, whether you doubt it or not, Jesus is the Son of God. And to the doubters of his day, and to the doubters in this day, I say to you again, you can't keep a good man down. (laughs) Because Jesus is no longer in the tomb. He is risen And he is alive. Not only could the doubters not keep him down. And it gets a lot better folks. Death couldn't keep him down. Verse 24. God raised him up again. Putting an end to the agony of death. Now notice it doesn't say that Jesus put an end to death. It does say that he put an end to the agony of death. There is a point where all of us in this room is going to die. I'm going to die, you're going to die. Right now, if you're alive and you're breathing, raise your hand. Okay, everybody should have their hands up. If not, you went in there and ate two or three cookies and now you're zoning, man, you know? Hey, but, but that's the deal. We're all going to die unless Jesus Christ comes back before our time is called Every one of us is going to die. And this verse does not say that he put an end to death. What this verse tells us is that Jesus took the agony out of death. Jesus took the sting out of death. We're all going to die, but if we are in Jesus Christ, death is simply a transition from this temporal world into an eternal world. Death is simply a transition from this world of sorrow and pain and agony into a world where there is no more sorrow, pain, or agony. So Jesus put an end to the agony of death. Why? Because it was impossible for him to be held by the power of death. Impossible. I read something this past week I want to share with you. It's a passage of scripture found in Matthew's gospel chapter 27. It's, it's after the death of Jesus, the Pharisees are talking to Pilate, wanting to make sure the tomb is secure. And so here's what it says. On the next day, which is one after the preparation, the chief priest and the Pharisees gathered together with Pilate. And here's what they said to Pilate. Sir, we remember that when he, talking about Jesus, was still alive, that deceiver... 
That was their opinion of Jesus. They thought Jesus was a deceiver. They said, that deceiver said, after three days, that's the answer to the trivia question that some of you missed. Lord have mercy. So, <laughs> after three days, I am to rise again. Therefore, please give orders for the grave to be made secure until the third day, lest the disciples come and steal him away and say to the people, he is risen from the dead. And the last deception would even be worse than the first. And so here's what Pilate said back to them. You have a guard. I'm giving you an official guard. Go make it as secure as you know how. And so they went to the grave and they made it secure. Now, when I read that this past week, I just cracked up. I mean, really, I, I, I laughed out loud. I really did. I'm thinking, really? Is that the best you can do? And, and it was. It was the best they could do. They rolled this huge stone over the opening of the tomb, and they even plastered over it. I mean, they made it absolutely secure. They posted guards. They put a big stone there. In fact, if you will remember... When Mary was coming the next day to anoint the body of Jesus, her greatest fear was, how am I going to get in to anoint Jesus because of that big stone that is in the way? Y'all remember that? <laughs> but ain't that just like God? To take the biggest man-made obstacles that we have and turn them into a platform to proclaim the good news of the gospel. Yeah. Woo! Baby! Here's what Jesus did when he came out of that tomb. He rolled the stone away. And by the time Mary got there, the angelic messenger was sitting on the stone. Isn't that amazing? I don't know about you, but I've had some big stones in my life. And I haven't even got to gallstones yet. They, they, they tell me those are horrible. But, uh, you know, I've had problems, haven't you? Have you ever had a problem in your life? Sometimes those problems of, are of our own making. Sometimes people make those problems for us. Sometimes that's just life living down here on planet Earth. We've got problems. All of us have these huge stones. It was the very thing that the doubters used to secure the tomb of Jesus with. But you know what? God is able to take those big problems, roll them out of the way, and set on them. Man. So here's old Pilate. He says, make it as secure as you can. And the Pharisees go, oh, we're going to. Don't you worry. We're, 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 going, we're going to do our best. And so they roll that big stone up there in place and they put guards. That, you know what I call that? I call that the impossible assignment. You can't keep Jesus in the tomb. They were trying to do the impossible. It's, it's, like, it's like as if an earthquake occurred here in Fort Smith. Right now, a huge earthquake occurs. And, and of course, I don't know, have you ever been in an earthquake? I've been in little tremors, but not a big one. They tell me it just shakes everything. But let's say an earthquake occurs, and we say, okay, we can stop this earthquake. And we all lay on the ground and say, stop, earthquake. <laughs> or, or it's like us all going to the coast, maybe down in Florida, Gulf Coast. Y'all want to go? Yeah. We're all there, and, and we decide, you know what, together, all of us together, we can stop the waves. 
And so we lock hands and we walk out into the water and we tell the waves to stop. It's impossible. Y'all aren't getting this, are you? Let me, let me use one that you, you, you might get. It's like our, our staff trying to teach Jason Nichols how to be mean. You know, I mean, it, it, it just ain't going to happen. It, it can't happen. It's impossible. You, death can't keep Jesus down. I, I tell you, church, there ought to be celebration in the Christian community today. On the day that our Lord arose, we ought to celebrate in the church today. Amen? I mean to tell you, if there ought to be happiness, if there ought to be joy, if there ought to be a song in our heart, if there ought to be a glisten in our eye, if there ought to be a spring in our step, if there ought to be a chin that is up and a back that is straight, it ought to be in the church today. Woo! Angie gets mad when I, kids, your mama gets mad when I do that. But. David likes it, all right? Y'all start calling me nature boy here before too long. <laughs> Please don't, all right? I mean, we ought to be celebrating today. This, this ought to be a day of celebration and party. Why? Why? Because death could not hold Jesus Christ. Neither could the tomb. Neither could the stone. Neither could the plaster. Neither could Pilate. Neither could the guards. Neither could all the edicts and laws in his day. Jesus Christ arose. Death could not hold him. Hallelujah. Somebody say hallelujah. 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 Death could not hold him. But you know what? It gets even better than that. The doubters couldn't keep Jesus down. Death couldn't keep him down. And number three, the devil couldn't even keep him down. That's what Peter says in verse 27. He's quoting David in the book of Psalms and he says, Because thou wilt not abandon my soul in hell. Peter said, I want you to know the devil who from the very beginning of time when he was kicked out of heaven wanted to have power and supremacy and he tried to keep the Lord down, but he couldn't do it. In the fall of man at the beginning in the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve, the devil jumped up and down with glee when he slithered away from Eve after she took a bite from that poisonous fruit. And he thought, I've done it. I've won. I've caused separation between man and God. And then when Jesus was born, he tried to snuff out the light of Jesus, that little baby. In fact, if you search it out in Revelation chapter 12, it calls the devil an angry red dragon. And he's right there, ready to devour the man-child Jesus Christ. He used this egomaniac of a king named Herod who made a decree that all baby boys were to be killed. But God protected his son. Through a dream, he told Joseph to take Mary and the baby Jesus down to Egypt. And God built a hedge around them. And then you fast forward 30 years 
at the temptation of Jesus in the wilderness. The devil tried to get Jesus to take a shortcut from the cross and not go all the way to Calvary. But again, the Lord withstood the devil. Even in the Garden of Gethsemane, right before his crucifixion, he is sweating, as it were, great drops of tears. And he's praying in the garden and talking to the Father. And he prays and he says, Father, if it be your will, let this cup pass from me. And I believe our Heavenly Father in heaven had a tear in his own eye and he said, Son... I would love to to exempt you from this, but it's not going to happen. You've got to die. You've got to bear the sin of the world. You're going to have to die on Calvary's cross. And so here's Jesus hanging on the cross. The Romans have, have driven nails into his hands and his feet. There's a crown of thorns on his brow. His body is bruised and it's bleeding. The blood of Jesus, the precious blood of Jesus dropped down on planet earth and touched our own infirmities. And as he hung on that cross, his last words were, it is finished. And when he said that, the Bible says he gave up the ghost. He willingly gave up the ghost and he died. I believe at that very moment when Jesus died that the devil with all of his legions in hell, began to jump up and down with glee. And the devil says, it's done. It's finished. I finally whipped him. The victory is ours, boys. Come on. Let's take planet Earth. (laughs) But he didn't know what was going on. Because as soon as Jesus died, the Bible says that he went down into the pits of hell and he preached to the captives who were there. The the only message they've ever had in hell and Jesus is the one who preached it. Then on the third day, he rose again. And all of a sudden, Satan was defeated for the final time. Satan is defeated. There's an old song, it's a first service song, the battle's over, the battle's over. Don't y'all like my southern gospel voice? And the victory's been won. Oh, y'all are wanting me to sing a full special now, aren't you? But it is. Jesus beat the devil at his own game. Listen to me. We are no longer in a battle. Jesus is king. Jesus is king now. Jesus is king forever. There is a day when he is going to take the church, the saved, the redeemed, back to heaven with him. Satan has been defeated. He is a defeated foe. And under the Holy Spirit of God, we can live victoriously and we can overcome the power of sin. And through the power of God's Spirit, someday we are going to be reunited with our Jesus and live forever in heaven. Why? Because the devil couldn't keep Jesus down. And what I love more than anything is what happened to his followers when the devil couldn't keep him down. It changed them. I mean, totally changed. At the crucifixion, they ran away. In Acts chapter 2, they're boldly standing and proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. And as I read through the book of Acts, I am convinced and confident that the church grew with tremendous success for two reasons. Number one, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit of God. 
That, that was a promise from Jesus. Jesus said, I'm going to ascend into heaven, sit at the right hand of the Father, and make intercession for you. But in my place, I'm sending the Holy Spirit. And if you believe in me and call out on me, the spirit of comfort is going to live in your life. And undoubtedly, I tell you, spirit-filled people have power in their life. It's the power of God. But number two, not only were they spirit-filled, they had an attitude that nothing was impossible. I mean, listen to me. They had just come from the crucifixion and resurrection. And so they had this mindset. They had this attitude that, you know what? Nothing's impossible with God. I mean, God just did the impossible. He brought Jesus out of the tomb from death. And that courage, that mindset propelled them and compelled them to turn their world upside down for the Lord Jesus Christ. Wow. Wow. Isn't that great? Come on. Isn't that great? Say amen. 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 That's my sermon, except for answering the question. Really, preacher, what, what is Easter all about? I mean, that, that's why you came today. What, what, is, what is Easter all about? I can sum it up in three statements. Here's what Easter is all about based on what we've just studied. Number one, I believe Easter is a mindset. It is an attitude about life. I mean, if you believe this story that I just read, that Jesus died for your sins, he rose from the grave, he can live in your heart. If you really believe that, it changes the way you look at life. It changes the way you do life. And all of a sudden, you have this same mindset and this same attitude that the early disciples had. And that is, you know what? I serve a God who can do the impossible. Come on, are you with me? So that when life throws me a curveball and I've got this problem, which is a huge stone that I can't get around or through or over, what do I do with it? Well, I just step back and I take another look at it and I see that my God is setting on that stone. God's setting on that problem. And no matter, listen to me, no matter how big your problem is, your problem is nothing for God. He has the power over death, grave, sin, and hell. He's got the power over your problem. So what's Easter? It's a mindset about life. Number two, it's a mindset about death. We look at death differently as a Christian. We understand what death is. Death is a promotion. I mean, really, if you're a Christian, death is a promotion. You get to leave this no-good-for-nothing, sorry old world and go to a place that is perfect. I mean, dude, what could get better than that? We look at it different. I, I heard a story about a Christian mother and her, her son. She lived on the East Coast. He lived on the West Coast. She was dying, and so he flew to the East Coast to be with her during this difficult time. While he was there, problems arose in his business. He was having to fly back to the West Coast. His name was Dan. He said, Mom, I hate to go, but I'll be back as soon as I can. And here's what she said to Dan. Son, when you come back, if I'm not here, don't worry. You know where to find me. I mean, it's an attitude. It's a mindset. I know where I'm going. And I tell my kids, you make sure you meet me there. Okay? 
I'm going to say to you guys, I'm going to heaven. You make sure you meet me there. Let's be there together. Easter is a mindset about life. It's a mindset about death. And finally, it is a mindset about God. It's an attitude about God that God is God. He is God himself. I, I, maybe I can illustrate this through Mary, the life of Mary. She, she goes to the tomb and, and, and Jesus is not there. The tomb is empty and, and then all of a sudden Jesus appears. But she doesn't know who Jesus is. She's crying and she's weeping. And, she, and Jesus asks her, why are you weeping? And she says, they've, they've taken my master and I don't know where he is. And then Jesus does something pretty cool. Jesus calls her by name and enters into a new relationship with Mary. Because when he calls her Mary, her eyes are open. Her heart is open. She sees him as he is. She knows he's Jesus. And she believes. And Jesus comes into her life. Jesus changes her. And so that's what Easter is. Having our eyes open and Jesus coming into our heart. Now, Easter is more than a historical event. It is. It's a real event. It really happened. But it's more than that. Easter is the power of God made alive in your life today. And so Jesus is here in this place right now. Jesus wants to have a personal relationship with you. In fact, in fact he may be calling you by name. He may be calling your name right now. Saying, hey, open your eyes. It's me. I've got something for you. I want to come into your life. And guys, listen, all you have to do is believe. All you have to do is trust. All you have to do is call on the name of Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead and you can be saved. And when you do that, when you pray that prayer, let me tell you, God changes your life. Woo! I'll quit doing it, Angie, really. Old things are made new and your life is transformed. And Jason, let me tell you, when Jesus comes into your life and when he changes you, ain't nobody going to keep you down. Can't do it. They couldn't do it to Jesus. They can't do it to you. If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, let me tell you, the doubters can't keep you down. Why? You're walking above them, man. Let me do a little diagram for you here. Here's the world right down here, all the world. You know where the world is going? Down. Literally. It's going down. A lot of churches don't preach this anymore, but here's what we believe, that without Jesus Christ, you're going down to hell. Without Jesus, you're going to, It doesn't matter how good of a person you are. Without Jesus, you're on your way to hell. You're going down. But if you believe in Jesus, you're living up here. You're on a higher plane. You're not going down. You're going up. Does that make sense? These guys down here, they can't keep you down. They're going down, you're going up. Somebody do it for me, because I can't do it. Okay, there you go. I, yeah, I told her I wouldn't do it anymore. Doubters can't keep you down. You know what? If you believe in Jesus, death can't keep you down either. Oh, let me tell you, you're going to die. You're going to die. Preacher, I don't know if it would be me. I may go before you do, but some preacher is going to preach over you. Man, please, 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 for the sake of your family and for everybody involved, just get saved. <laughs> I mean, it's a lot easier to do the funeral of a believer than it is a non-believer, you know? I mean, I've never done it before, but one of these days I'm going to say, this sorry, no good for nothing. 
He's in hell. But, but literally, that's the truth. Without Jesus. Can I tell you something? When Jesus is in your life, death can't keep you down. If you believe in Jesus, your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. That's your entrance into heaven. God's already got a mansion for you with your name on it, your key. You can go in. You can live there forever. You can roller skate down streets of gold. I mean, it's good, baby. Hey, if you believe in Jesus Christ, the devil's not going to keep you down either. He's going to try. As long as you're living in this world, he's going to try. He's going to throw temptation after temptation into your life and try to get you to stumble and fall. But you know what? The temptations are real. You're not going to be exempt from temptation, but you do not have to sin. Why? Because greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. So if you believe in Jesus... Ain't nobody going to keep you down. 